Welcome to the Dark Depth Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I'm here with the Sky Nomad himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? Uh, unlike last week, I'm feeling good, uh, nice and refreshed after a couple days off work. Uh, how are you? I, unlike last week, uh, feel very tired and run down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of these weeks, we'll both be doing good. It's like one of those things, like, I feel like the, the curse of 2020 for us, at least, is the fact that we just can't be on the same page uh, energy-wise. Uh, but maybe maybe one of these weeks, you know, in 2021, maybe we'll both be uh, well-rested and feeling good. Uh, what have you been up to this week? Uh, I've been playing what feels like non-stop magic lately. Oh, cool. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of that. More playing League. Um this is going to sound really dumb, but I'm definitely better at that game than I was last time I played it. I don't know why, because I played a lot last time. Or maybe it's just that, like, everyone is bad now. I don't know. Yeah, but sure. I'm definitely definitely better at that game than I used to be, which is, like, making me feel pretty good. Um, but, yeah, playing League, reading, reading a lot of comics. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm a very big comic reader. What are you reading right now? A lot of magic. Uh, so I just started reading um, Black Widow uh, okay. from 2015, I want to say. I don't actually remember what year this this one came out. Because, you know, all series have been started and restarted so many times in the Marvel Universe. Interesting. Yeah, I was, I'm trying to find a... Um, like a comic for, for my wife for Christmas, which is probably dumb to think she's right there. Um, <laughs> but just something that I think she'd be interested in. I don't actually, this sounds dumb, obviously, because I obviously know that she's a character. I just had never really considered uh, Black Widow as a, um, as a possibility. Like, we were watching the end of the Spider-Verse, um, and I really liked um, Spider-Gwen, and she seemed to like that, too, so I was thinking about that. Um, also, I don't know if she necessarily even needs, like, a, like a female hero right if she wanted to read a comic so like maybe just like Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that because I know she liked those movies um so I don't know it's interesting Spider-Gwen does have a cool series I haven't read um she has a new series that I have not read uh does does your wife we're getting off topic but sort of I mean we haven't started topic yet but does does your wife like comics or like what's the impetus there uh just something different she's a she's a big avid reader um, so something that's slightly outside of her normal interest. And normally for Christmas, we normally do this thing where, um, <laughs> I get her like, like four or five books, um, things that are like bestsellers, um, a lot of, she's a big into like dystopian, um, worlds and into like post-apocalyptic. So there's a couple of books I got her from last year. I think she's read a couple of them. Uh, I'm actually not sure this year. This, the one thing this year has been kind of crazy between the baby and, um, you know, COVID and whatnot. Uh, so I'm not sure how many of them she's actually read. But I usually get her like a uh, Barnes and Noble's gift card in addition, so she normally picks up something she likes for herself, anyways. But um, I just try to get her stuff that's a little outside of comfort zone sometimes. So I might I was thinking about doing that just because once again, just I think she would like it. Um, yeah, at least at least something small, maybe not like a, a huge anthology or something crazy like that. Well, if she likes post-apocalyptic stuff, um, I think it's 
I haven't run it myself, but Saga is supposed to be pretty good. I think that falls into that category. Okay. Um, and then also, if you want to get her something with, uh, with like a female lead character, Ms. Marvel has two excellent series. Um, they just canceled the, the second her second series, which I was kind of heartbroken about because might be it's probably my favorite comic coming out right now. But Miss Marvel is very good, so you can pick up the first uh, trade paperback of that. Cool. Would highly recommend. Okay, now look into that then. Uh, just to clarify, I mean like the recent series with Kamala Khan, not the old series with Carol Danvers. Don't do that. Carol Danvers. Sucks. Oh, <laughs> hopefully I'm not offending anybody too much. Yeah, I mean, my my only experience with it so far has been the with Miss Marvel specifically is with the uh, movies, which I li- I like the Marvel movie. Like I, I like um, Brie Larson a lot because it's an actress, which is fantastic. So um, I liked I liked that movie, but it's fine. She just doesn't have too much of a personality, and she has the like the boring power set where she's just kind of bothering at everyone. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it just, it doesn't speak to me. I mean, different people like different things, obviously, but uh, Kamala Khan is a wonderful character. I'm super hyped for her TV show to come out. Just, she's wonderful, so highly recommend. Okay. Ah, oh, man. Alright, um, do you want to jump into some magic then? Yeah. Cool. I mean, it's not as fun as comics, but like I guess we can talk about it. Yeah, you gotta do it occasionally. Um, all right, so we are normally every week we look at two uh, modern challenges and two legacy challenges. We run one on Saturday, one on Sunday. Uh, we normally do modern and then legacy, but we're gonna flip it a little bit to legacy first, and then we'll end on modern this week. Um, so on Saturday, um, the winner of the legacy challenge was uh, Kohei. 1202 playing Team Delver. Pretty boring. Um, we also talked about the second place list, which was Pokey Pile, um, which was also pretty boring. I, I just felt like this top eight was just a lot of the same old stuff. Yeah, a lot of Delver, a um, couple else pot players. But the eighth place deck is kind of interesting. Yeah, I thought the deck was really sweet. So this is by uh, Mononex. Um, Mon Annex, we'll say like that. Uh, it's, I guess, a, like a Bant Noble Hierarch deck, I guess, <laughs> I want to say. Yeah, so, I mean, should we run down the list real quick? Or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, they're playing Noble Hierarch um, as part of the creature set. The Noble Hierarchs allow them to play a turn two Stoneforge Mystic, obviously not terrible, <laughs> not, not difficult, um, anyways, but uh, as a Stoneforge Mystic, Skyclave Apparition, True Nemesis, or Oko on turn two. Um, besides that, you see a lot of like traditional um, blue spells kind of filling in the spell slots between your ponders, your brainstorms. Um, they're actually playing Stifle in this version as well. Uh, with rem- instead of having red like we normally see as far as removal is concerned in these types of decks, they're playing white, so they actually are playing Source of Plowshares as well. Uh, a couple copies of Force of Will, a copy of Force of Negation. Um, to go along with the Stoneforge Mystics, they're playing um, Umatha with Jite and Batterskull, and then a smattering of lands. Um, this this deck really is just doing a lot of things uh, I haven't seen in a while, at least. So, like, I, I remember uh, Reed Duke at GP Louisville in, uh, is that 20... 
2017, I think, the one that he won in Louisville, um, was playing essentially something similar to this, right? It was a stone, a uh, Noble Hierarch deck that curved into Truman Nemesis, but this is definitely a little different with Oko as a possibility on turn two as well. Yeah, just the strategy of powering in the super strong three drops on turn two, definitely tried and true. Um, I really like this list. I like a lot of what it's got going on. Yeah, I do too. The, the spell base is confusing to me, I guess I'll say. Um, I'm so used to seeing decks playing four copies of Brainstorm and four copies of Ponder just as, as a default, as far as blue decks are concerned. Uh, this one has the four places, uh, the, the full playset of Brainstorm, but it actually plays two copies of Ponder, um, three copies of Daze, uh, a Spell Pierce, a Spell Snare, three Stifles. Like, that's the mix there is very confusing to me. I mean, it's not that unusual. Like, you see Pokepile also only plays three copies of Days, three copies of Stifle. Um, I think there are cards that just have diminishing returns in the late game. So sometimes you don't want to have too many copies of them in your deck. Uh, but Days is obviously very good on the early turns if you're able to accelerate into, like, an Oko on two. Your opponent tries to force it, having the base of the tactic can be very strong, very punishing. Yeah. yeah even, I, oh God. I was going to say, even just being able to go like turn one Noble Hierarch, and then dazing their turn one play, and then still being able to play Stoneforge Vistico on turn two seems really strong. Yeah, very much. I like that. And like, I, I definitely think Noble Hierarch is a card that's, I, I don't want to say savagely underplayed, um, <laughs> but should definitely see it more play than it currently does. Like, I think outside of Infect, I probably haven't seen it in a while. And I guess, does humans play it in the, like, the lazy version plays Noble Hierarch still? Yeah, they still play Noble Hierarch. Yeah. So, it just definitely gives you, like, some kind of broken stars. And, like, I think the number of games that you're just going to win because you went Noble Hierarch in a true name into, like, GTA on, on three, right? Like, I think that's... And not for all the decks, obviously. There are some decks that don't care about um, True Nemesis regardless, but um, I just think that's such a powerful start in a lot of these like more fair matchups. Yeah. And also, while we're singing the praises of Noble Hierarch, I think it's worth noting that if you and your opponent both have Oko, having Noble Hierarch gives you a huge edge because all of a sudden your Elks are 4-4s four when they're attacking, so you can kind of win the Elk battles a little bit easier. Yeah, like I mean, definitely... Being able to get them out first is nice, but yeah, being able to, I guess, trading up is always really nice too. That's really underrated. Are you are you a fan of the stifles in this list? Just in just in general? Yeah, I so stifle is a pretty I don't know, stifle's a weird card. Um I do kinda like stifle in general. Okay. I think right now is actually a pretty solid time for it. Uh with all the run Delver players around, it's surprisingly easy to, to screw them on their, their colors. Mm. So having Cycle there is kind of nice. Um, with the somewhat resurgence of, of Oops All spells, it's kind of nice. Uh, it's really good against, uh, I'm blanking the name of the deck, Doomsday. Because uh, when they go to play their Thassa's Oracle, a lot of times Thassa's Oracle is uncounterable. So having stifle just gives you a way to interact there because uh, you can stifle the trigger and then they lose yeah. <laughs> because they're going to mill themselves out. Mm -hmm. uh, so I I think stifle is just a uh, powerful, versatile card right now. 
uh, even small things like if somebody tries to skyclave apparition, you're Oko, then you can stifle it. And stifle is pretty good against death and taxes in general. Getting the stifle opposing Stoneforge Mystic triggers, getting the stifle your opponent saving something with a Caracas or putting counters on a Jute. So I think stifle has a variety of uses right now. So yeah, I have. I actually hadn't thought about stifling the Apparition trigger. I kind of mentioned that before. I like Death and Taxes mashup versus these kind of snow decks because they're able to Skyclave Apparition and um, Exile and Uro or um, Exile and Oko. And, like, I guess the ability for you to be able to Exile their Oko, but then not be able to Exile your Oko um, is, re is really nice. That's, that's actually a really cool thought there. Right. Something we haven't touched on is, have you noticed what's missing from this deck? Um, ooh. Uh, no. There's no Uro. Oh, there, yeah, there is no Uro. <laughs> I just mentioned that. Yeah, there's no Uro in this deck. Um, I, but I guess it's more defensive, maybe. Maybe that's the reason why. Like, I feel like between the counter spells and the... Spell Pierce of Spell Snare. I guess that's actually bad reasoning, though, because it's, it's still... I mean, like, a lot of... I guess, like, the decks that are playing it are still playing the same card, right? They're still playing Force of Will and Force of Negation and Spell Pierce and Spell Snare, stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm not sure why you wouldn't play it in this list. But maybe you maybe that's just not the game you want to play. Because maybe you, you think you're a little faster than the game that Uro um, kind of encourages you to play. So, I mean, my best guess would be that I think um, you only have room for a certain amount of threats because you want to keep your answers up. And once you've decided you want to play Stoneforge Mystic, I think True Name Nemesis and Oko are kind of competing for a similar slot uh, with your inevitable win condition. And I think True Name just functions better with Stoneforge Mystic than, than Uro does. So that would be my best guess. Okay. I'm not sure if that's actually what this player was thinking or not. But I'm kind of curious about that. I mean, could you imagine playing a version of this that has, like, Uro, maybe, like, Sylvan Library, um, maybe and just, like, just not playing the True Nemesis Stoneforge package? Yeah, I mean, I can see that. But at, I think uh, the question you have to ask yourself is, if you're doing that and really trying to play that longer game, what's the upside to playing this over just playing Snowpack? Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like, I, I guess playing Snoko, like, it doesn't matter if you have a faster Oko, like, they, there's more uh, more card advantage and they have the ability to remove your Oko with, um, like, point removal. So you're probably just better off playing something like this and just trying to be a little bit more aggressive leaning. It's interesting. I mean, I would I would try this deck out. Obviously, I don't have the card... The, borrow limit on mana trader so i i can't play it personally but if you play it let me know because i i'm interested yeah I, I might try this out again it looks good to me and you know there's the mana trader series to play in so maybe <laughs> i'll play this and that i'll just say did the um just looking at the sideboard too i mean the sideboard's pretty traditional i guess for which to expect like there's some copies of rest in peace a copy of fluster storm <laughs> Uh, Veil of Summer's in there, too. Um, Force of Vigors are interesting, though. Um, if you're if you're playing this deck, what are you interested in 
force of figuring. Like, I, my thing is, I'm used to playing, because that's just why I've been playing it so much, um, in Legacy, the Hogak deck. Like, I always know I want to force a vigor, um, a, a Leyland of the Void, or a Rest in Peace, or I want to hit the Relic of Progenitus, or, um, you know, get the Tormat script off the board. Like, I don't know, what are you trying to force a vigor in this, out of this sideboard? I'm not sure. I think it's just a good generic catch-all. Uh, it can hit, like, opposing Sylvan Libraries. It, Mm. You know, like, if it's tagging a Sylvan Library and an Astrolabe, that's not that bad. I mean, it's not, not fantastic, insane or anything. Yeah. Um, against any deck that's playing a Karn package, it's bad targets. Mm. It, it's, okay. I don't know. I, I don't think the Force of Vigor belongs. I also don't really think there's enough green cards for this, it to be in there. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, too. Um, yeah, this, so this deck is playing four copies of Noble Hierarch and three copies of Oko, and those are the only green cards um, in the 60. So... Yeah, I don't. I don't see how that quite makes it worth it. <laughs> My baby agrees. Not worth it. Um, but I guess in the matchups you're bringing in Force of Vigor, you're probably also bringing in the Cyborg Wilt as well. Um, and I guess depending on what you're trying to do, like if you're playing, if you're bringing in Verse Noko, you're probably bringing the Sylvan Library as well. So I guess you could potentially um, pitch the Force of Vigor that way, but. Yeah, but I'm not trying to pitch my soul library to deal with theirs. Exactly. Yeah, and that, that was that's a, a big issue there too. So like, I can imagine pitching a wilt, right, and just essentially getting a two for two there. But like, you could also just like wait till turn four and get a two for one. So maybe they actually are planning on just hard casting Force of Vigor in the stack. Maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. Because, um, I, I mean, at this point, if you're going to play Force of Vigor like this, like, why do, why would you just not play, like, Ray of Revelation? Like, I think Ray of Revelation is just a, a better card in the spot. Well, I guess you're specifically worried about enchantments. Like, I guess the fact you have, uh, it only, this hits the artifacts and enchantments, which I always forget about Force of, Force of Vigor. Yeah, so she she turns uh, five months tomorrow. Um, so she is getting full range of her voice now. She's literally just staring me in the eyes, just like wailing. <laughs> she just wants your attention. She does, yeah. Oh, Anyways, so shall, shall we move on? Yeah. All right, so on... Sunday, right, Legacy Challenge on Sunday, um, has more interesting decks. This is actually the Showcase Challenge here, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is actually won by Lampalot, uh, playing Elves. Who, who's Lampalot in real life? Um, Michael Bonday. Michael Bonday, okay. Well, does the Michael Bonday normally play Death and Taxes? Uh, so he's definitely known for playing Death and Taxes, but he was also playing Snoko for a bit, and now he's up else. Like, I don't think... So even though he's known to play Death and Taxes... He seems like somebody who wouldn't be afraid of just playing whatever he thinks is best, too. Okay. Yeah, so he ended up winning with first place um, Elves. A fairly stock list, like, nothing super crazy out of that deck. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure he said he just took Julian's list. Or, he took White Face's list, which is yeah, White Face's literally list. just Testacular's list that I think we talked about last week. Yeah. So, nothing, nothing super spicy then. Um, I do like the rest of this top eight, though. I mean, actually, like, this challenge and the showcase challenge 
a bit more just because I think there were some more interesting decks. Like, for example, I don't know if you saw in fourth place, they have, uh, this name it always cracks me up. It's like, uh, Quapuff? Quapuff? Uh, playing lands. I just have, I feel like I haven't seen lands in a while. Like this traditional, uh, grindy lands version. Lance has been around. But I just feel like it's always, like, Dark Depths. That's what I always kind of have been seeing lately. I, like, I feel like I haven't seen, um, like, traditional Lance deck. I don't know. I, I feel like I've been seeing it, but I also... It's the kind of strategy that appeals to me, so maybe I'm just keeping more of an eye out for it. That's fair. But, uh, yeah, because uh, I've been seeing a fair amount of it ever since Felicat Exploration came out. I was just say, how has that card really affected this this version of the deck? I, I've seen that card a bit too, and I just I haven't gotten a good gauge on it based on the number of games I've played. So it's very similar to the effects that the library has, where it's just an insane draw engine for the deck. Uh, you don't have to pay the life, which is a, a huge upside, though. And it's also just it lets you win a lot of games just off of the damage factor it does. You wouldn't think that it does that much, but just getting able to like play play a fetch land, crack the fetch land, and maybe cast a crop rotation, the damage ends up stacking up pretty high, actually. Yeah, the the game I ended up playing, I, I like. I don't think they even attacked me. I think I just died to the exploration and some combination of like punching fire. Like I think that was basically the entire game. Um, and I think it, my thing with this deck too, and is that they get into this position where they're like, "Well, I'm, I have to kill you with life alone, and I'm just going to dredge this every turn. I'm going to try to recur." Uh, but they essentially just stop drawing new cards that essentially that aren't lands. Um, I like the fact that the the life alone and the exploration still allows you to get new cards into your you know you know quote unquote hand. Um, so you have the ability to you know draw that. Um, draw that Sylvan Library or draw that um, Exploration. And if you actually get the second uh, Valkyrie Exploration, also, I don't like the fact it's called um, Valkyrie Exploration because there's an Exploration already in the deck. It just bothers me when I try to like, shorthand name it. Um, but the fact that like you can actually get a copy of Explor Exploration off Valkyrie Exploration and then suddenly you're playing two lands a turn where normally that's not a, a play pattern you're um, capable of when you get into that life in the loan. Um, ad nauseum uh, situation. Yeah, uh, you're right. It is weird that they're that they both have an exploration in the name. <laughs> it's not something I had considered before. Really well, does uh, well, make it, it difficult to talk about. It does because it's like one of those things. Like if I'm t if I say Delver, there is only one Delver. That's not true, obviously, but there's only one Delver. Like if I add Phyrexian Delver into my uh, Delver of Secret deck, and I was like, oh, Delver. It's like, oh. But they always put Delver. Oh no no no, Phyrexian Delver. It's like oh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't like that. Um, so and once again, like I, I don't think that plan in the naming was that they would ha be in the same deck in Legacy. Like I'm sure that was not something that they considered when naming it. But like it's very annoying. Um, like it it could have been Quest for um, Valakut, and then suddenly we're just calling it Quest. Well, you can't call it Quest for Valakut because that would get confusing with the old Quest cards. Hmm. Okay, fine. Um, how about um, Search for Valakut? Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's <laughs> a weird name. I don't like that. There's a Search for Ascanta. And Ascanta is a, a land, and Valakut is a land. 
So it's kind of like the same thing. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But Search for Iscanto flips into Iscanto, so like you find you find Val or like with Search for Iscanto, you find Iscanto, and then mm. you have Iscanto. Mm. You don't find anything with Valakad exploration. You're just continuously looking forever. Okay, what if so I? I think it's a very apt name. Like, yeah. I really think that the flavor of the card really lines up with the name of the card, and you're just gonna have to get over the exploration <laughs> thing. But it is weird. Yeah, it is definitely weird. Uh, but I definitely like this deck. I think this deck was pretty sweet. Uh, not as sweet though as the. Um, I'm not sure what place this deck came in. Um, there's a copy of Slivers also. I think this got top eight, got third. Uh, Daniel Nunez um, got third third with the uh, Slivers here, which I think is also sweet, just because I... It's one one of those decks that, like, you see it and you're like, I'm not going to lose the Slivers, am I? And then one Gale Rider later, you're like, no, I'm dying. I'm going to die here. Okay, so a couple things. First, Meat Hooks or Slivers? <sighs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with her. I'm gonna go with the slivers. I don't like I would, the meat hooks. It's just it's weird. It's a weird. <laughs> uh, for anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, uh, slivers for years was affectionately referred to as meat hooks because if you look at the original slivers, uh, not the slivers. I don't remember when they made their resurgence, but the old slivers, if you look at them, all kind of look like meat hooks. Uh, so people call them that. The newer slivers, they have changed the way that they are designed, and they don't have quite the same appearance. No. Uh, They're still, like, creepy. Um, I could be wrong. I think they came back in... Um, uh, what's the third set in the... Um, onslaught block. Um, it's onslaught. Yeah, I'm talking about, like, when they came back recently. And, like, oh. in, in whatever. Like, they came back in a poor set. Um, they came back in M14. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, cause I was, I was playing when they came back in, I can't think of what the set is. It's the third set in the onslaught block. If you, if you're listening and you can think of the name, I, my, oh my God, it's going to bother me so much. I mean, you can very easily check this. Yeah, very easily. I'm not going to. It's like, that's, that's too much work. And it's like, if you're, if you're at home, feel free to tweet the show. Um... But, like, this is one of those decks, like, this This is my actually issue with, with this in general. Like, there's very limited de design space. So when you're looking at slivers in general, you're like, okay, well, we could give them plus one, plus one. Okay, cool. It's like, okay, do you mind if we give them plus one, plus one again? Uh, kind of. We already used that. Yeah, but this time we'll make it white instead. Okay. Do you mind if we give them plus one, plus one another time? No, you already did that. No, no, no. The first one gave... All slivers plus one plus one, and this one gives slivers you control plus one plus one. It's technically different. You're like, I, I guess, yeah, it's different, but we we need to come up with something new. And they're like, okay, yeah, 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 okay. Oh man. Um. So like, but like, then you see Gale ride a sliver, it gives all your slivers flying. You're like, okay, that makes sense. And then eventually they're like, how about we give slivers you control flying in haste? And you're like. Is that blue red? It's like white red. It's like I don't. How's flying white? It's like well, it's actually a secondary of color. I okay, you got it. I just think there's very limited design space here, but they're still doing this. So it's been it's been years and we're still playing this deck. So obviously it's working out for them. I don't know. They could probably come up with new slivers if they wanted to. 
But I think we're going to get to a point where it's like, you get a sliver that's like, you know, red-green that gives you like, like every time a sliver comes into play, you draw a card. That's why I think we're going. I think we're going to get like random nonsense here very soon. I think that's fine now. You want to draw a card every time a sliver comes into play? That's, that's the life you want to lead? actually would be kind of gross for this deck. Okay. Um, make sure you and I are on the same page. I'm not happy about that. Uh, honestly, as long as they don't print more Crystalline Slivers, I don't uh, think I will ever be too upset. Yeah. Crystalline Sliver is possibly my least favorite creature ever. Oh, that's not true, because Brazen Borrower exists. But after Brazen Borrower, Crystalline Sliver is probably my least favorite creature ever printed. Um, just giving your whole team Shroud is nonsense i've lost so many games to slivers where i'm just looking at like three lightning bolts in my hand and just thinking to myself if only i could you know kill a creature or two just like, one thing maybe i'd one. have a shot at this game it's like if i just get them into combat and they can i can navigate it's like nah you're, you're gonna die yeah and like once again they they're playing the sliver if i can find it they're also playing unsettled mariner too which makes like even if you could get the crystalline sliver off the board you still have to deal with the Mariner, which is making everything cost a billion. Um, it's just it's just frustrating. And they also have like the striking slivers that give them first strike for some reason. Like it's just it's just so much. But it's cool to see this deck uh, making top eight. But you said da uh, Daniel Nunez plays this deck basically all the time, right? Yeah. He uh, if you look at him, he's he's never like the trophy leader or anything, but he's always got a stack of trophies to his name. And always, always play slivers. Uh, he might play other things, uh, but I've never heard of him playing anything else. Even if you just look at the MPG Goldfish page, if you look at slivers, he has the vast majority of the five O's and results in general with the deck. Yeah. Jeez. Well, that's cool. Okay. Um... There was actually a, there was actually a point. I think it was the start of this season on moto mm -hmm. uh where like the top three slots on the trophy leaderboard were like all tribal decks with one of them being him and that was yeah. that was kind of cool it was like three different tribes too i think but like what like daniel nunez Hello newton and like goblin Mikey? actually so eli wasn't on there i don't remember who else it was but there it might have been two else players but it was just like a lot of um just a lot of tribal going on Um, it's developed into its usual place now, where it's uh, Pokemoki and Negator <laughs> battling it out for the top top spot. Though the way it which should has be. been like the recurring theme of the last three Moto seasons. I mean, and I said I've said this a lot too. Like, if you are a good player who plays all the time, like, of course you're gonna be at the top of the list. Like, you're just you're you're shoot you're shooting more shots than everybody else, and your shots hit a lot more often than everybody else. So. Makes sense. So I actually don't know how much uh, Jeff, who is Pokemoki, plays. I think he plays a lot. I will say Tom, uh, Negator77, actually doesn't play as much as you might think, but his games go very quick. Um, I think mm. due to his massive amount of experience with his deck, he's quick at playing it. And he also plays an archetype that lends itself to quick games. But he's I've seen screenshots of, uh, of his game history, and it's... <laughs> It's like absurd how quick some of his games are. Like I've seen him complete leagues in under an hour. I, I had a match versus him um, probably a month ago, maybe. 
Uh, we finished our match. It was, I mean, it was only two games, to be fair, but we finished our match, I think, in ten minutes. Like, <laughs> just not play around. Um, so, which is, which is cool. Like, I appreciated it. Obviously, I didn't appreciate losing. That was lame. But, um, I mean, I think it's nice to be able to play a deck relatively quickly, and especially when we're somebody competent. Um, the fact that it goes quickly and it's actually a, like a well-played game is, is really nice. All right, well, um, I guess bonus top eight here. Um, I don't know if you saw, but Anarog, well, I think you saw this. Uh, Anarog, <laughs> <laughs> Anarog play, had an event on uh, Sunday. I guess it was Sunday, right? All these days are kind of blurring together. Uh, yes, it was Sunday. Um, it was the, I'm going to pronounce the name here that they have here. And the presents Dice City Games Fall Revised Legacy Open, powered by Lotus Box. Um, they might need to work Super on catchy name. Yeah, I think it rolls off the tongue. It really it feels natural. I want to think. Okay, so, <laughs> so to be fair, I think things just kept getting added. Uh, also, <laughs> oh, it's really? supposed to be on ZD Presents. Uh, <laughs> but Anurag had previously held like his own moto event. He called it the on ZD Invitational, mm-hmm. and he was planning to run it back. Uh, okay. Before that got finalized, he got invited to join Team Lotus Box. So then it was powered by Lotus Box. But then Dice City Games, who uh, kind of sponsors Lotus Box, was had been like running um, a legacy series that had been kind of canceled by COVID. So they kind of wanted in on it. So then it became their event. And it, it makes sense how we got here. Is Dice City in <laughs> DC or is it in Maryland? Dice City is in Maryland, okay. I believe. Cool. Uh, well, this top eight is like right? pretty, pretty. There, um, Mark Eric Voigt, uh, one with Snow Miracles. Um, some of these decks are pretty cool though. Like that end up making top eight. Like I always like Hogak, which is cool. Um, Greg Dyer, who is that's actually Yama Killer, right? No, no, Who's no. Yama Killer is Gal something. Something. So I was watching Yama Killer. Uh, they came in fourteenth. Um. But there's actually a copy of Mono Blue Karnekas, which we talked about before. I just think that's a really cool deck um, to watch play, at least. Um, but there's a copy of Mono Blue Karn um, Echoes in top eight. Once again, we've seen this deck before playing um, Aeon of Echoes um, with uh, Lion's Eye Diamond to kind of wheel. Um, and eventually they're able to hit um, a bunch of mana. Um, and eventually they are able to get a Narset and, you know, not let you wheel along with them, which is pretty gross. Um, Ryan, uh, John Ryan Ham- oh, Hamilton, I was about to just call him Alexander Hamilton, um, got fourth place with... J-Cloud. J-Cloud, yes, J-Cloud. Um, with Death and Taxes, that's classic. Um, Brennan McCarley, which I, well, if you're a big SCG follower, he was a big player when they were doing a lot of stuff in paper. Um... But playing uh, Blue Black Shadow, and I feel like we haven't seen Blue Black Shadow in a, in a while in these top eights. I think it's, um, I mean, I think it's hard to justify playing a creature like Death Shadow that's just meant to be, like, keyword big when uh, when Oko exists. Yeah. I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah, I think it's kind of devastating to have your, <laughs> you're like, I'm going to get down to Four life and whatever nine nine shadow and they're like it's a three three and it's an elk like oh that's that's sad the elk's cool that's cute um and same thing with I guess Gurmag Angler I feel the same way about just like 
you, you do all this work to make it be a 5-5 five, five on turn 2 or turn 3, and then they just make it into an elk. It's, like, kind of disappointing. Um, but, I mean, the, and this deck, this is my thing, too. Like, I, I don't know what makes this necessarily better than just, like, playing Is It Delver? I mean, like, I think I think it is substantially faster than um, Rug Delver. Like, I get that appeal, but, like, I don't... Is it, do you think this is really that much better than something like Is It Delver? So, I don't think it's that it's better or worse. I think it lines up differently against the format. Blue Black Shadow is very good against combat decks because it gets to play Foxies in addition to playing Days and Force Will and Force Innovation like the other Delver decks. And it's pretty strong in like the Delver heads up mirror because your creatures are just larger than your opponent's creatures. Obviously, that's been weakened by uh, Oko, like we just mentioned. Because deck is also like way worse into something that's playing sorts of plowshares. Like Delver mm. in general is not great against death and taxes, but like this version is especially bad because you know you'll put in all this work and you're like, here's my big death shadows, and then they swords one, and then all of a sudden you have nothing, yeah. and you just put time and resources in the wide. Uh, but I think this version is worse against decks that manage to go more mid rangey because if they're able to overcome your creatures through whatever removal then it's very easy for them to take over the game, especially when you're putting yourself so low on life. Like, if they can just fend off a couple attacks from the from the Death Shadow and then sneak something into play, it's not that hard for them to close up the game from there. Like, you can imagine just an Ice Fink Waddle surprise blocking a Death Shadow, and then you're at five life, and it only takes two hits from an Elf. That's yeah. not that hard. No. Yeah, this this one of those decks I just never. I don't want to say like I know it's one. I guess it's it's technically a GP champ, uh, a Pro Tour champion, right? Because it was on the the team event. I think they were playing this deck in that event. I could be wrong. Yes. Um, I just like don't. Actually, I don't think it was on the winning team, was it? I thought it was. Maybe it wasn't. I guess I know LSV's team was playing. I thought they. Were, I thought um. Greg Orange is I think I think it came in second. Came in second. Okay. Um, but yeah, this deck this deck has never really appealed to me. Like, and once again, I I think with Delver players, and the same thing happens with you know, um, like depth players. I think it happens with every of those like larger um, macro archetypes that there's like a version of the deck that you just don't quite jive with. And this is like I think the one I don't really get. Like I I definitely I played Rug Delver obviously before, and I like Rug Delver. I understand the strategies. I understand why you want to play it. I just, this is one of those things that, I guess it once again, if it attacks a specific metagame, I understand that a little bit more. But like, I always have trouble playing the Death Shadow game correctly, or I guess playing it particularly well. Um, and like, obviously, and this is not even in um, modern. In modern, I'm actually okay with these types of decks. It's just the legacy version of it. I can't quite um, work with. Uh, for the record, I can just check real quick. Mm -hmm. Alan Wu was the winner in the legacy seat of that pro tour playing Death and Taxes. Oh, okay. Which I guess it makes sense because the second place. Do you know what the second place was? Was it was was it actually? Yeah, it was Outer Layton on Shadow. Okay, so and that that's definitely a matchup that's in favor of Death and Taxes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just that's that makes sense. Okay. All right. Um, there also was 
I guess, uh, I don't know if this is super spicy or not, but this is um, a copy of Dredge, to which I think is sweet. I think we talked about Dredge a couple weeks ago. But I was so I'm like, pretty sure you just want to rub it in because what? this player beat me in one of my winning ends. I didn't even know you were. Eight. I didn't know you were playing in this event. Oh my gosh! I am so sorry. Jeez, what a monster I am. Oh, <laughs> you're just a bad friend. I get it. It's cool. But okay. Yeah, I had. I had three winning ends for the top eight of this event, oh, so and I failed not once, <laughs> not twice, but three times to oh. win that winning end. So that was cool. That's cool. That was that was great. <laughs> Loved it every second of it. But okay, this this deck is cool though. I mean, to be fair, so this is um, is it? I think so. Um, this got uh, eighth place. So this was. Uh, I guess which what could have been you. I mean, it, it could have been could have been me, yeah. Um, but this deck ends up having just some interesting cards. They're things that we've seen before, I guess. But you can play as Hogak, you can play as Ashen Rider. Has a copy of Dread Return. I think the sideboard is actually really neat, though. Um, just cards I'm not. Maybe these are things that are being played, but things I haven't seen before. Um, like they're playing one copy of Lotus Petal. Um, they're playing the Lotus Petal is fairly stock. Really? Okay. What, when does the Lotus Petal come in? I do not understand how to sideboard with Dredge. Okay. I just know that the Lotus Petal is fairly stock. Okay. Yeah. My my Dredge experience, unfortunately, is modern and vintage. I'm just like not good with the legacy version. So like this Lotus Petal is surprising to me. Um, like I understand the the Nature's Claim and the, the Stern Dismissal. I think is actually really neat. I just haven't I haven't seen that card. It is usually a chain of vapor, which this seems like a strict, I don't want to say a strict downgrade, but it seems worse than chain of vapor, but I don't actually know. I mean, if you're, you're bouncing it back to their, their hand, right? Like it's, it's not like you need to uh, necessarily allow them to bounce something back. And it, I, I'm not sure how often you're bouncing something of yours and would like to copy it again. So I think this is typically fine, um, especially since uh, they're usually but, exiling things or returning things like, um, um, Rest in Peace, or uh, Ley Line of the Void, maybe something like Containment Priest. So I think this is basically the same. So my thing is, uh, with this card, it hits less. Uh, because Chain of Vapor can hit artifacts, whereas Stern Dismissal cannot. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you're going to have games where you want to hit a Relic of Progenitives or Tormund Scripts. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Or, even maybe like an ensnaring bridge, you're gonna to want to hit sometime. Mm -hmm. so. Okay, that makes sense. Or if your opponent is playing Ashiok. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've sure. seen that card pop up in Legacy here and there. Mm-hmm. Your cards so. are beating. Um, Certain dismissal is actually the reason why I lost our match, for the record. What do they bounce? Um, so I was just playing around it, which I think was wrong to be honest so my opponent so i went turn one like urborg lotus petal vampire hex mage and i had an elvis spirit guide and a crop rotation so i could have gotten um so i could have gotten the dark depths and went for the merit Lage on turn one uh which i was really excited for and then my opponent just played like land pass and i was like okay well they're obviously representing Stern Dismissal, because, like, why would they not do anything on turn one? Mm -hmm. um, I had a Flusterstorm in hand, so I was like, okay, whatever, I'll wait for turn two. Uh, so then, on their turn two, they played an, a Lion's Eye Diamond in a land and pass, and I was like, hmm. okay, well, now they can 
pay for the fluster storm on their stern dismissal. And so I was just like waiting to draw something else to go off. It, and at the end of the game, I learned they actually didn't have the stern dismissal in their hand. They ended up like, they ended up going off and the game ended up being very close. And, uh, you know, just one different draw step one way or the other could have changed the outcome. But I ended up uh, not going for it because I was convinced they had stern dismissal. They never actually had it. And I lost the long game. Ugh, that's rough. Yeah. Did you, when you say you lost the long game, did you lose to their sideboard Oko Thief of Crowns? No, no, no. I, I lost them doing normal dredge things. Okay. That makes sense. Do, can you explain the, the Oko Thief of Crowns and the sideboard of dredge? I wish I could explain the Oko Thief of Crowns. It okay. seems like it would be hard to cast, and I part of me wonders if they just put it in there as a joke. And I'm, like, fairly convinced that that's actually what it is. I think you can, like, occasionally hit, like, a like a bridge, like a snaring bridge, if that's a concern, if your match goes super long. You uh, can, but again, Chain of Vapor does the same the thing. Same thing, yeah. I'm, and is easier in the mana. I, I'm, like, actually fairly convinced they're playing the Oko just as a joke. Okay. Yeah, I just... I saw that, and I was like, I don't understand. I don't understand, but, like, maybe I'm missing something. But, okay. That makes me feel better, at least. That was, like, the one card I was like, I really don't... I don't think that's intentional, but it's, it's there. So, I'm assuming they play it occasionally. Like, I I have been... I have played, like, Bant decks before and played, like, Crazed Goblin in my sideboard. Um, so, like, I have... I don't know if it's actually... I don't know if you can find it still. Because um, it was years ago. I, like, made the finals of a JSS event and I had a crazy goblin on my sideboard and someone copied my deck list and was like, what are you playing this for? And I was like, I'm not really playing it for. I, I could not find a another copy of Bribery, but I just played Crazy Goblin instead. So I under, I, I, I appreciate the game of just playing random cards in your sideboard, but I don't know. Yeah, I uh, I remember Painter players for years played Fire Blast on their sideboard because uh, Jack Kitchen copied like an open, and they incorrectly posted Fire Blast instead of Fire Bolt in his sideboard. Yeah. <laughs> just, for a long time, would copy his list and just play Fire Blast, even though that card was very bad in that deck. Yeah. Oh man, that's funny. Uh, well, do you want to talk about your list too? Because this is there are definitely some questionable things. You actually mentioned one of them um, a bit ago, but some questionable things in your list, this current iteration. Sure. I, questionable seems like a insulting way to put it. <laughs> uh, suspect, um, unorthodox, uncanny. We'll go with unorthodox. Okay. Um, so I came in 20th place after losing my triple win and ends. Um, <laughs> I played Tom Hep's newest version of Depths. He's been playing Rainbow Depths. Uh, to, these are like literally his words. He got tired of winning all the time uh <laughs> sure why not continue <laughs> so he, he decided to just switch it up and play play this uh pile of cards um so the real inspiration was somebody in the lands discord was uh it's actually ali uh you can find him on twitter like ali on mpgo i think is his name but he's um a very big land spire and he was talking about 
possibly trying stifle in lambs. And then uh, Tom Hap has always, I shouldn't say always, but he's known for playing stifle in bug depths. And so people have been like kind of messaging him about it. And uh, he decided to go ahead and go back to his roots and try bug depths again, kind of. So he's playing stifle and flusterstorm, which are meant to help the combo matchups. Uh, it's, it's basically really like the old turbo depth stack, but it's flashing for those cards, which do really help the combo matchups. And then also he is, um, he cut the forest and the swamp and all the fetch lands and is playing a complete rainbow land mana base. Uh, so we're playing four gemstone mines and a city of grass, uh, which lets you actually produce your blue mana and also has the notable benefit of not letting you get submerged. Uh, because Submerge has been the big answer for depths. Uh, a lot of Delver decks are playing three copies in their sideboard. Um, that card, I mean, you can play around it, but it's always annoying. But now you don't even really have to play around it because holding up five mana for a bounce spell is terrible. So, hmm. Hmm. so that uh, that is this deck. And I had zero games with it under my belt, but I just <laughs> decided uh, <laughs> we would go ahead and play it for fun just wing it yeah i mean tom has been crushing people with it and it wasn't that different than the normal turbo depths which i do have experience playing because mm -hmm. um, like if you look at it as the stifles are essentially pissing needles uh then it's really the same deck click on that's interesting just with a different mana base and i mean the stifles because like the Pithing Needles, you're naming Wasteland and Caracas more often than anything else, and the Stifles do kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. But it just gives you the extra flexibility versus um, Doomsday and versus um, Epic Storm and things like that, too. Yes. Interesting. Um, and I do like the... It, it's funny, I didn't, I didn't really think about the Submerge with the Rainbow Lands. Like, that definitely is a huge benefit. Because um, they're definitely not going to submerge you if you have a, a manic influence or something like that instead uh but you're also playing like not of this world too which you, you weren't playing in your most recent list before this right correct uh so not of this world is a big card in turbo depths i have not been on the turbo version okay. in i don't know a month or two so but when I, when I do play turbo i do play not of this world okay interesting so with this i mean you end up going what four three right so was yes. this a? Were you happy with the deck overall? Do you think you would have you would have played? Because um, you were like a, a like a mid mid depth, right? You weren't playing like slow or fast. You were kind of splitting the difference there before. Would you rather have yeah. played that deck, um, or do you think you were happy with this overall? I mean, I was happy with this. Uh, it treated me well for the most part. I think I think I should have won that game against Stretch. I should have been more aggressive. Um, I actually am like, like, oh, one of my losses was Doomsday, which is ironic since part of this build is to shore up that matchup. Mm -hmm. I kind of got ruined by Teferi in game one, which was very frustrating because it's the one of Teferi, and I was just like looking at the stifles in my hand and thinking about how useless <laughs> they were. And then I ended up losing game two to Orm's Chant. Um, Ugh, yeah. And the game had gone on for so long that they could pay for fun storm unfortunately and still combo me um but the, i mean the deck played out well it is 
like my losses happen, but it is what it is. I flooded out uh, a fair bit, but I don't think that's like actually an issue with the deck. I, 24 lands isn't that unreasonable. And I mean, that's going to happen with any depth deck, honestly, mm -hmm. is you're going to flood out some number of games. Yeah, I mean, you don't, it's not like you have the, there's no brainstorm here, right? So you're not, um, you're just drawing the cards you're drawing in this deck. Yeah. So. But I mean, you were the top finishing, uh, I think, depth player in this event. I I was, yes. So that's not, that's not bad. I don't, I don't know how many depth players there were in this event. I know there were three of us on this same 75. Uh, I don't I think, know how many other depth decks there were. I could be wrong. I think it's just you three. Oh. <laughs> Uh, once I miss well, somebody, represent. Yeah. Represent. <laughs> like dark side. Um, <laughs> so, okay, yeah. Um, one thing I just, I think it's he's. I this sounds weird too. I, like I know he doesn't actually listen to the podcast. I don't think he does at least. But like he's just been doing so much for the legacy community in the past, you know, couple months. Like it's it's really cool that he's, you know, doing all these events and. Um, this is Anarog, of course, not not you, but but Anarog. I, I think it's really cool that he's doing all these events and like he's um, streaming constantly now too, which is really cool. I, I feel like every time I turn on um, Twitch, he's you know finishing up his stream. So I think he's really yeah. He's been going for over two hundred days now at this point. That's I awesome. think yeah. I will say events like this really make me think that there needs to just be even more events like this because. Yep. Um, this event had 89 players, I think it was, mm -hmm. and I, I don't think there is a polite way of saying this, uh, but I want to preface this with, I mean this, I don't mean this in like any kind of mean or critical way, although I think that's probably how it's going to sound. Mm -hmm. The prices, or sorry, the prizes were nothing special. They weren't great. I mean, they, they were definitely better than they were originally supposed to be. Um, Ended up being a 2K, right? Yeah, so it was originally supposed to be a 1K. Uh, Tom Hep actually donated 500 moto picks from the prize pool. And then Anurag decided to match Tom's donation and added $500. Very cool. Uh, well, five. I can't remember if he added $500 or 500 more picks. Either way. But yeah, so the, the prize pool, 2K, I mean, 2K is not a bad prize pool, but it's nothing insane. And it's, like, if you told me a local 2K was going to draw in 90 players, like, I wouldn't believe you. Yeah. Um, and this isn't, like, the first time we see numbers like this. Like, I've seen a number of 1Ks on here. Uh, like, Lotus Box was running uh, a monthly tournament series for a while, and they were just running 1Ks, and they were hitting over 100 players. That's insane. Yeah. Like, over 100 players for a 1K is not good EV. Like, it's very bad. Yeah. And the, the worst part was, like, they would be stacked, too. So it wasn't even it wasn't even like it was an easy one K. Like you'd get in and you'd be like, Oh look, I'm playing against like Emma Handy this round. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I'm playing against Jim Davis, like in a in a one K. <laughs> like why would you pay thirty dollars for that EV? That's so bad. Mm -hmm. Um I mean you could do it just obviously because you like the games. Um playing against good competition is always great, but yeah. I still I mean, like feeling like we're gonna get something but so the fact that this event did as well as it did just shows how hungry the community is for these kinds of events uh, i i just think there needs to be and they run 
like larger competitive events on Moto in general. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, like once again, like just as just, just going through those list of just the names here, um, Brendan McCarley, definitely no joke. Tariq Patel, uh, Marcus Thibodeau, um, Patrick Green, um, it, I can't pronounce his last name, Francisco, uh, Paul Taluk, um, Mickey Siegel, Yama Killer, Russell Smith, uh, Michael Mapson, um, uh, Stefan Schultz, uh, Jarvis Yu. Um, I haven't even gotten to Dominic Harvey. I haven't even gotten to, um, if I can find him, uh, Russell Lee. Like, there are really some some killers in here. Um, Julian Nabb, Tom Hep. Like, there are some really stacked people in this field, and the fact that, you know, this is, I think it was, like, what, 16, like, 17 bucks to enter this thing for 2 Yeah, it was only 1650 which is actually, like, kind of nuts. Yeah. I would play in a lot more events if they were that cheap to enter. Yes, absolutely. So, I think, yeah, I think definitely think there's more room. Oh, I didn't mention uh, Brian Colville, D- Dylan Donegan. Uh, I mean, Cubs you didn't Smith. mention a lot of people <laughs> whose names I recognize. Like, if we're... Let's be fair, like... Yeah, like, this is, this is definitely one of those events I, I think... You're right, definitely more of these events is definitely um, possible. And, like, this is kind of, I think, what Legacy is right now. I think that now that people are, you know, have the, I guess, the option to be playing these different formats, like, they can't afford these cards on paper, a lot of people, uh, but they can afford them online, they can they can use card ser- services and play them. And, like, now that people have realized this is actually a really sweet format, people are really like clamoring for these events when they have the option to be playing something like pioneer or something like, um, modern. They're like, I actually just rather play legacy. That format is sweet. Um, which I think is, I mean, obviously just true. So. Oh, one last thing before we get off this event, Mm -hmm. I want to notice or mention is if you look through all the lists and you can actually find, uh, because the event was held on MTG melee, we actually have access to all the deck lists. Mm-hmm. Um, there was only, I think, three people on Delver in this event, Ooh, um, which is insane. There's like four in Teamer Delver, um, three on Is It Delver, and then okay. one on, I guess, if you, I'm going to count the Death Shadow deck as the Delver deck too, so I, I'll call it eight. Okay, yeah, but that's not a lot of Delver. Uh, 9%. The numbers are way down. So I just thought that was interesting. I don't know if it was because the event was so cheap. People were like, oh, I'm just going to play the decks I like. I don't know if it was just happenstance. Uh, but I just thought that was an interesting thing. Because I, I realized at the end of my day is I didn't play against Snoko or Delver once throughout the event. That's nice. Which was like kind of absurd. Or else, like the three decks that are the most popular in the field right now. You didn't play against Death Next either, did you? Uh, I did not play against Seth and Taxes. Yeah, I mean, that's madness. I mean, but, or Hogak. Or Hog. Oh, or Hogak. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, but and but I think that's where Legacy is right now. There are really a lot of viable decks. Like, um, I don't think was it in was it in this event where they were playing the uh, the Didgeridoo deck? Yeah, <laughs> that was <laughs> something. That was so sweet. Uh, for anybody who didn't get to see coverage, because. Uh, Lotus Box provided coverage for this event. I would go back and, and watch it. Um, but in particular, uh, Stefan Schultz, aka Mental Misstep on Moto, brewed up a Painter Servant Didgeridoo hybrid deck. Um, 
And Didgeridoo is just a cool card that nobody ever thought would see play in anything remotely serious. So yeah. if you want to see some sweet Minotaurs in action, and I know a couple of people have streamed with it so far. Uh, Julian streamed with it. Anurag streamed with it. I might stream with it this week. Who knows? Uh, it's hard to get me to, I mean, it's not hard rather to get me to play Painter Servant. So yeah, I got, cause watching them, um, step in didgeridoo in a, uh, Morag Fury of Akum. And the number of games, by the way, that he just took over with Boris Battleshaper were insane. Where he's just like, I'm gonna you're gonna attack and you're not gonna block and I'm gonna attack with here and I'm gonna say, Oh gosh, this game's gonna end with a battleshaper. So have so you ever seen by the way, just assuming you don't know Legacy Staple Boros Battleshaper, uh, it is a um five red and a white for a five five Minotaur soldier. Uh, at the beginning of each combat, up to one target creature attacks or blocks this combat if able, and up to one target creature can't block or attack this combat. So it forces things into combat or forces things out of combat, but eventually, you like, they were attacking with the Battle Shaper, forcing things to block it, and forcing other things that would eventually kill it not to block it. It was, it was gross. Um, but I think that's really cool. I think that's really, really cool. Um, deck. Didgeridoo. What a world. What a world we get to play with Didgeridoo. Yeah. And there was actually eight copies of Didgeridoo in this event. There was another player just on Mono Red Minotaurs. Oh, okay. What a world. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Let's talk about modern uh, at this point. Unless you you want to talk more about the Mono Red Didgeridoo. We can move on. Okay. Um, so there's a Saturday, um, and this is the showcase that was a Saturday event, I think this, this week. Um, so that was won by, uh, Sodek, which is awesome. Um, so it's, uh, Oops All Spells, uh, which I do want to talk about. I want to talk about that a little bit later, though. Um, playing Oops All Spells. Um, Rest of that beat, some pretty sweet stuff. I mean, there's copies of uh, Is It Bit Blitz, Helioid Company, Rakdos, Death Shadow, Four Color Uro. Um, there is a um, another copy of Blue Red Uro, and then there's also a copy of the uh, Blue White um, Yorian deck. Um, but I, by the way, this sounds no, they they don't have it. They good old. Uh, MTG, MTG Goldfish. They have uh, Loris and Yorian listed as companions, but really it's only Yorian, I think, here, because they have the Batter Skull, so they can't play the Loris as a companion. Yeah, it is literally impossible to submit a configuration of the stack where Loris is a legal companion for you. Okay. Um, I guess they have, like, Teferi Time Raveler, too. Like, yeah, it's, we're not even close to having Loris as a companion in the Oh, yeah, I counted the number of three drops. It's not possible. No. Okay. Um, but I think that is sweet, too. But um, So, just talking about Oops All Spells, and once again, this deck is... It, it, I don't think it's changed much. I think it's I think it's we're pretty close to its final form until a new set comes out. Um, I do like, by the way, I don't think this is... I don't think this is correct. They, they have a Vendetta listed in the sideboard for this deck, which I, I don't think is correct. I don't know what that card's supposed to be. Um... Why can't it be Vendetta? Is that not Modern Legal? Uh, no, I think it's uh, Mercadian Masks. Hmm. So. Uh, 
And I also wonder what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Because Vendetta makes sense. Yeah, oh, it would make sense, too. It just... No, Vendetta was in Rise of the Eldrazi. Was it really? Yes. Jeez. Okay. All right. Rise of the Eldrazi. I did not, yeah, I did not know that. Um, okay, so, Vendetta. Um, but this is... This is the deck... Well, we talked about this before. Kind of interesting play patterns where you're essentially milling your whole uh, deck with either... Undercity Informer, Bellatrix Spy. Uh, you have copies of Narcomoeba, Vengevine, um, and also copies of Salvage Titan. Um, you also have copies of Sword of the Meek to put onto your uh, Narcomoebas when they come back. Um, eventually, you're going to um, kill them with Vengevines, and if you need the extra turn, you can get that with the next the fate you're going to mill back into your deck. Um, and you can, between the Creeping Chills and the Vengevines, you should be able to kill them over two turns for sure. Um, this deck... Uh, and once again, I, I think Sodek is probably one of the best, um, I don't want to say graveyard-centric, I mean, because Sodek plays uh, Dredge, I think is what he's best known for, but he also has been playing the Agnosium um, deck, too, which has had a lot of success with, and he uh, top-aided a challenge a couple weeks ago with that, too, um, and obviously it's doing well, obviously very well, uh, with all spells, too. Um I, th- I feel like Oops All Spells hits different than those other decks, though. Yeah. Um, so, for anyone who doesn't know, Sodak didn't lose a match throughout the Showcase Challenge. Um, so, Queen 9-0 throughout the Swiss. Uh, Queen, I mean, obviously 3-0 throughout the, the top eight. Mm. Uh, and then he ran it back and went X2 in the Challenge on Sunday, also. Um, so, personally... I hate it. <laughs> I don't think Oop should be legal in the format. Um, and you could be saying, oh, well, it doesn't really put up that many results. But I don't I've, I played against this deck actually a surprising amount this week. And I just, I, I don't like talking bad about things that I know other people enjoy. And obviously, players aren't enjoying this deck, but it just doesn't lend itself to good games of Magic. Um, every game I played against it, it didn't really feel like decisions mattered um, from my side or probably from their side, to be honest. Like, either they killed me on turn three or, like, or like I won first. And that's what it felt like all my games boiled down to. A lot of the typical interaction in the format just doesn't do anything against them. Um, and, I mean, obviously there are ways to interact. Like, I won a game against them where... I just played Cleansing Wildfire like three times, um, and then they just couldn't cast any spells. Hmm. Or you can resolve Rest in Peace against them, and then they like literally cannot win. But those are not good, enjoyable games of Magic. Like that's what I and a lot of other people like about Magic is when there's some back and forth, and both players are making decisions that kind of impact. Uh, the other one has to proceed with their plan, and you just don't get those out of the stack. So you, you have the same issue, too, with, I guess, in Modern, you have the issue with the Grishelbrand deck. And then I think in actually in Legacy, too, you have, you, it's the same issue with the Rakdos Reanimator list, too. Yeah. Um, I actually have... Yeah, I, I do. It's funny. I actually don't really have as much of the issue with the Oops stack in Legacy, but I do have the same problem with, with the Rakdos Reanimator deck. Um, I'm a little bit more lenient towards 
that deck because I'm convinced it's really, really bad. Um, whereas I'm not convinced that this deck is bad. And in fact, this deck is proving itself to be quite good. But what, what, like, what do you think is, if this deck is so good, what do you think is keeping players away from it? Because like, obviously, you know, so deck is able to 12-0 with it. And once again, like I think combining the 12-0 this time in, in a very competitive field, right? As a, the modern showcase is you know, theoretically one of the most competitive uh, modern events on uh, MTGO, the MTGO cal- calendar for modern. Um, so yeah. being able to go 12-0 and then back the next day with a, um, a 5-2, was it? Like, what do you think is keeping players from playing this deck if it's so powerful? So I think there are two big things. They're, they're kind of the same thing, actually. Uh, but I think it's the way that players like to play Magic. Um, a lot of players like to feel clever. They like to feel like their decisions matter, which is, I mean, basically what I just said. I like feeling like my decisions matter. Mm-hmm. And I think when you play Oops, you don't feel like you really have that much agency. Um, you have a very linear game plan. And, I mean, that's kind of it like you literally you you don't even have a backup plan like you do in in combo decks your plan is play uh play an undercity informer or balustrade spy and try to kill your opponent on turn three and i mean some of your games do end up going weird but it's it's very unusual like nine times out of ten over nine times out of ten your plan is the exact same and i don't think players like that and i also think players don't like feeling like they just lose to sideboard cards. Um, and while obviously your sideboard cards can answer opposing sideboard cards, I think there's a bad feeling when you do something like if you play, let's say, uh, again, somebody who plays turn one Graft Digger's Cage, and all of a sudden you can't win for the rest of the game because they just had a Graft Digger's Cage in play, I think that is something that deters players. They would rather be able to like just outplay and outsmart their opponents. Thanks for that. Yeah, I mean, this is... I've had this before with, like... Actually, I, this happened to me in, well, in Legacy, at least. Uh, my opponent went uh, turn zero, ley line. Um, and I was like, okay. I'm going to cast a 2-1. I'm going to cast another 2-1. And then another 2-1. I'm going to beat you down. Like, I literally played three 2-1s and just killed them over... Um, you know, five turns. Um, like, that's at least a possibility. This deck, I mean, like, you could kill them with an Archimiba. You could beat down, theoretically, with an Undercity Informer, I guess. And, like, you could theoretically cast Vengevine here, but, like, there, I think the odds of you winning through combat with this de- deck is very slim. I Yeah, yeah I've had a couple opponents that... I, I, when I say I play against this deck a lot this week, I mean, I've played against it a lot. I had a couple games where um, opponents would hard cast a creature that wasn't Balustrade Spy or mm. Under City Informer, and I can say that I won 100% of those games. Yeah. Yeah, this deck's not really meant to be down. And, like, obviously, like, a Salvage Titan can get in there, but, like, you're not... If you're casting Salvage Titan, um, you're, you're probably not winning. Um, I mean, I guess if you're casting it, hard cast or at least I mean you can definitely sacrifice three artifacts and get there but yeah this deck's not supposed to not supposed to play that game well if this deck is so weak to sideboard cards though I mean like what like why would obviously the games aren't super fun but like it's beatable right like it's and it's still not doing something that's like inherently 
better than any other like combos, right? Like I mean, like we're on a format right now where like um, you could gain infinite life, you could um, deal a bunch of damage with the Valkut. Like we just talked about a couple decks, um, you know, something like. Um, is it Blitz can apply a lot of pressure, and same thing with, like, the Rector with the Shadow deck. Um, is this deck really that much, like, is it that resilient to discard and effects like that, that this is like, a problem in the format? Um, so, I guess I should preface with, I, I don't think the deck is going to get banned or anything. I'm not necessarily making an argument for why, I mean, I guess I kind of am making an argument for why it should be banned, but I don't expect anything to come of it. Um, but I do think that this deck is actually quite resilient to discard um, because it's not a critical mass deck. It's mm -hmm. essentially a one-card combo. Like you, you, There are a lot of moving pieces, but you just need them to exist in your 75. You don't need them to be in your hand. You really only need one card. So even if your opponent makes you discard your copy, like the second you draw another one, that's just kind of it. Mm -hmm. um, there's the old phrase, you can't discard the top of the deck. That's just as true here. Uh, I and I think one of the issues is like you mentioned these decks that can do so much and like yes, is it blitz can kill by like turn three, but it's kind of asking for a fair number of things to go correct. Whereas this deck is not asking for much to go correct. It's asking you to draw one of your eight pieces and then uh, either a pentad prism or a simian spirit guide. So like you just have to draw two correct cards and you have essentially eight copies of them. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, this is definitely one of those decks. I've only, I, I've only played against it twice, right? And I, I could be wrong with the number. Like, I might have been three times, but I'm pretty sure I've only played against it twice. I played it once playing Rakdos, um Shadow, and the game basically came down to me having a Thoughtseize, discarding their only copy of um, Balotrid Spy, and then killing them, like, the next turn. Um, and then the other game I had against... Um, then I was playing the Heliod Company deck, and I just gained Internet Life. They conceded. Game 2, I played a Rest in Peace on turn 2, and they conceded again. So it's one of those decks I, I definitely I definitely see the problem um, as far as the games are concerned. Because once again, if, if I just play a card, one card in Game 2, and you're just like, well, we're done here. It's like, that's not fun. Um, and like the number of games, too, that I can imagine where it's like, okay, well, I've got, I've got Tron set up. I can play my... I'm, Karn's not fun, but I can play my Warm Coil Engine on turn three and try to have an interactive game, and they're just like, oh, I'm going to mill my whole graveyard on turn two, and you're dead. It's like, yeah, oh, that's not funny either. Um, so I definitely get the in-between there. I just This is one of those decks I, I kind of, obviously I expect it to be around. It sounds like you expect it to be around too. Um, but, I mean, do you think this is one of those things, like the format could eventually adjust to this if this was, you know, like a very popular deck? If it was very popular, I do think the format would adjust, but I don't think it will ever reach that point. And I think until, like, without it ever reaching that point where people are playing dedicated hate for it, it's just going to show up every now and again, and games are going to be miserable. And again, like, Magic is a game. Like, we are playing it competitively, obviously, mm -hmm. but it's at its heart, it's the game, and it's meant to be fun. I just, I don't think games with this deck are on average fun. Like, I have lost plenty of, I mean, like any Magic player, I've lost plenty of games in my life. Um, but, like, I still have fun in a lot of those games I lose. I've never lost a game to Oops All Spells and been like, oh, that was an enjoyable experience. Like, 
My opponent and I both did cool, fun things. Like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and even most of the games I went against them aren't fun. I will say getting to cast Cleansing Wildfire, like, three times until they died was, like, kind of fun because it felt like justice. But, like, any <laughs> game where I just, like, kill them by, like, oh, I comboed first, like, that's also not really fun because there was no challenge in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this definitely is one of the sticks I... I mean, I, until something happens, and, like, one thing I think... I could be wrong, too, and I, I, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm still kind of upset about this. Um, but I, I think once they started op- um, banning cards like Mox Opal and Faithless Looting, um, you're opening the door to some of these cards that... Uh, also, Bridge from Below, too. I'm putting this on the list. Uh, some of these cards that are, like, engine-based, um, getting them out of the format. So, I mean, there is always a chance that something like a Undercity Informer or a Bellatrix by could get banned. I don't... I, this, it's just one of those things that when you are playing it, you're not playing it for a fair reason. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if this ended up one day being on the ban list. And it's, I think Vengevine is another card, too, that has shown up in a lot of decks where you're like, okay, buddy, we're watching you. But then it, like, sneaks away. And then a couple of years <laughs> later, you're like, Vengevine, what are you doing here? It's like, nothing. It's like, are you? You're okay. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. But it's always sus. Vengevine is always sus. Um, so I also wouldn't be surprised if something like Vengevine got um, got banned eventually. So I I don't know I if I'm not sure I'm sure it's not your your goal scenario right, um, but at the same time also sort of the meek just got back too. So let's keep, let's keep that on the list of things that we need to keep an eye out for. Like there's a lot of cards here that um, may find their way back to a banned list. Also, Simeon Spirit Guide is another card that people have been talking about uh, potentially banning for. Oh, yeah, I've, I've been on the band Simeon Spirit Guide train for, like, at least five years now. Yeah, I just, that's another card. I just That's that's another card. Um, and this actually, I guess, it goes back to Grishelbrand. Um, not the... And I guess it was. It's the same... The deck hasn't really changed. No, no, I'm thinking of the the, the Vengeance deck. I haven't, I haven't played that in so long. Um, the Gorya's Vengeance deck that was playing uh, Boba Rigmos Enraged. Let me clarify that uh, for the, when it matters. Um... <laughs> But the Bubba's Rage deck that was playing Simeon Spirit Guide and Gorya's Vengeance, like that was another deck where I was like, why am I playing with Simeon Spirit Guide? Like why is this card broken in this deck? Um So yeah, I've been on that band too. So like once again, if you kinda of take the parts together, like there's a lot of cards in this deck that could potentially get banned out of it. And like if you so if you uh I'm just so I'm not crazy, the Sword of the Meek was the one that was banned, right? Not the uh, Doctor Foundry. Correct. Okay. So if you reban Sword of the Meek, or you ban Simeon Spirit Guide or Vengevine, which have been on the chopping block in my mind at least for at least five years, or you ban the engines and Unicity and former Balotrid Spy, um, there's a lot of cards here that are that I don't know could eventually kind of gut this deck. All right, I'm I'm done talking about this deck. If you're done talking about this deck for right now, yes. Okay. Um, well, let's look at the Sunday challenge, and this is just a regular challenge, uh, won by Thamcaster Mage, um, playing Eldrazi Tron, which is, like, blood. I always, like, I don't know about you, but Eldrazi Tron, I was watching, um, Yamakiller play it earlier today, and it's, like, the number of games that they just, like, happen to have it are just, like, way too high, it's, like, uncomfortably high. Um, but I really have, like, the addition of, uh, Maze Mind Tome, that card's actually been really impressive as far as... 
um, just being able to get them card advantage and get them to the next card. Like, obviously, it's not an expedition map, which I know you're you're more privy to, um, but the Maze Mine Tome has been helping uh, get their consistency up as far as finding turn three Tron. Yeah, I mean, Maze Mine Tome is a cool card. This deck is very boring to me, but it's a cool card at least. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, how, what about the second place list? This is actually played by uh, Timu, um, playing, like, Is It Control? Uh, playing Crackling Drake, uh, playing Kiki Tiki Mirror Breaker. Is this more up your... Uh, also, uh, Deceiver Exarch, so they can kind of twin combo you there. Is that more up your... Uh, more interesting, more cool? I mean, yes. <laughs> should be very obvious. By default. <laughs> um... I mean, okay, so, like, going back to Eldrazi Tron, it's just, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, what, what is, what, what's the point? Like, what are we doing here? You get seven mana on turn turn three, and then you use it to cast Matter Reshaper? Like, <sighs> yeah, no, I, that's not for me. But, um, I do so. think, just for, as far as Eldrazi uh, Tron is concerned, I think the most powerful play is actually just playing Karn on turn, like, Karn Recreator on turn three. And then being able to tutor up something like a Grafter's Cage or a Liquid Metal cl- Coating, um, Ensnaring Bridge, Trinity, or something like that. I, I think that's actually, in my mind, at least the appeal to this deck. It's, I think it's the best artifact-focused deck in the format. The, I think the yeah. Eldrazi are just, like, something else to do in case you don't have Karn. Karn, Karn is really good and is definitely the selling point of this deck. I just, like, the, the shell that's around it doesn't feel good enough. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely better when it had the Microsoft Lattice. Like, that was definitely, uh, I think, much much more powerful, at least. Um, I think now it just ends up being this kind of weird toolback, toolbox control deck. Yeah. My thing is just, I have never been, like, I don't know. When I see my first Tron Lamp come down across the table from me, I'm like, oh, no, that's not good. And then if my opponent ever follows it up with, like, Chalice of the Void or Mattery Shaper or, like, Eldrazi Temple, I just breathe a sigh of relief. And I think that's... And I know a lot of people who have said the same thing, and I just think that should tell you something about the deck you're playing. Is like, when you play a card and your opponent goes, oh, like, never mind, I'm not scared. Like, that's probably not a good sign for your deck. No, I'm still... I mean, I think... kind of depends on the deck you're playing like once again in, in paper i usually am playing um like a company deck or i'm playing something like um i could not think of literally any of the decks i played for a second that was that's terrifying um but i'm like playing company decks i'm playing um is it blitz sometimes prowess. prowess yeah so like um there are sometimes that i play they play chalice on, on one and i'm like that's embarrassing and there's other times i'm like well this is embarrassing um, and I think it just depends. And, like, once again, you, you play a lot of Primeval Titan decks, so I don't think you would normally care about a Chalice on one. Like, that, who cares? Um, but there are a lot of games where they play Chalice on one blind, and I'm like, this game is terrible. I hate this deck. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those cards, right? Like, I think, and the same thing happens in Legacy, too. There's sometimes where, like, your opponent goes Blood Moon on turn one, you're like, that's so crazy. I was going to play Blood Moon on turn one. What are the odds? So weird. I'm going to play, uh, I'm going to play this Goblin instead. So, I just think it kind of depends on where you are. And, like, I think this deck, looking back at the challenge here, um, like, is the control? Like, I, I think Chalice on 1's probably fine. Rakdos Death Shadow, I like Chalice on 1. 
Um, Amulet obviously is not great. Nib to Light is not great. Um, Devoted Devastation, Child's Own one is not fantastic there either. Um, so I, I think it kind of depends. I, I, I've always, once again, I'm not a big Chalice fan. I think, I think, I think we've talked about this before. Like, I think Ch Chalice, if it was made in the year 2020, um, would either be a Planeswalker or it would, um, just counter non-creature spells. And I think non-creature spells, I think, would be a, a, a better place to be realistically for that card. I, I think the fact that it counters creatures is absurd. This is going to sound weird and mm. very spiky, probably. I like Chalice of the Void in paper at Comp REL. I don't like it anywhere else. Like, I, online, when it just automatically counters everything, it's miserable. But, like, in paper, when you can sneak <laughs> things past people, yeah. I think it's actually very fun. And I really enjoy, like, the different techniques people use to challenge check their opponents. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a lot of fun for me. I know some people are like, that's cheating. It's literally not cheating. Um, you can be for or against it, but it's 100% not cheating. But, the, like, can I resolve this spell through my opponent's challenge in one game is very fun for me. But the card, when it's working... I guess as intended is not fun. Yeah, I I have in in paper I've gone before where like my opponent goes, uh, they have Chalice on one, they go uh, Chandra, uh, kill your Delver. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Uh, I untap, I play my young Pyromancer. I'm like, fine. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna play Fork Bolt. Uh, I'm gonna target you, and I'm gonna target your Chandra, and they're like. That's pretty good. And they put their Chandra in the graveyard, and I'm like, I'm like, I forget my trigger, and I'm like, and I, I, I'm like, do I say anything about my trigger? No, I'm just gonna let this go. And I'm like, pass. And they're like, you forgot your token. I was like, I did forget my token. Thank you, friend. And I take my token. And then they like untap, draw their card. They like look at the board. They're like, wait, I had a chow. So I'm like, yeah, you did. And I just don't say anything after that because what do you do? <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I remember playing uh, a game in particular where my opponent resolves Chalice and somebody just goes, oh, the game's done, right? And I just kind of shush them. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what are you, what are you going to do? I was like, I have a plan. Uh, and I resolved like three or four spells through the Chalice. <laughs> and they're like, after the game, they're like, so your plan was just to resolve spells through your opponent's Chalice? I was like, yeah, and I won. Like, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it's a good plan. A good plan. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. Okay, so we're not Chalice people. That's okay. We're not Chalice people. We're definitely not Eldrazi people. Um, could you could you be an Is It Control person? Could this be you? Yeah, I mean, so this deck in particular is not for me, but I do appreciate what it's doing. Okay, yeah. So um, for people at home, this is playing... Um, I, was, I already mentioned the Deceiver Exarch and the Kiki Jiki and the crack, Crackling Drake. Uh, it's also playing Snapcaster Mage, but it is a, a control deck, so you see copies of... Uh, Lightning Bolt and Opt. Um, some flexible cards in terms of things like a Braid, um, Archmage's Charm, uh, Cryptic Command. Um, plenty of good removal. Um, some counter spells like Remand. Um, you're also playing Valkut Awakening, which we were talking about. Actually, no, we didn't talk about Valkut's Awakening. Um, but that's one of those spell lands that we saw from um, the new set. Um, the front side is a... Uh, two and a red, put any number of cards from your hand on the bottom of your library, then draw that many cards plus one. So it, it at least replaces itself, which I think is a pretty cool card. Yeah, I actually think Valakite Awakening is like fantastic for this deck. Um, the card is just really cool in general. Um, but 
This is one of those cards I... So sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I just think uh, one of the problems with this deck is you end up, like, with the wrong half of the deck problem. Mm -hmm. um, you know, where, like, you have multiple Deceiver Axarchs, and you're like, okay, well, I don't need these Deceiver Axarchs. Like, I need to just be a control deck here. And so, like, this kind of lets you fix that problem, where, like, you can get rid of cards when they're not good. Or it can dig you into your second combo piece. Like, if you have complete control over the game, but you're just holding, like, five counter spells and you're like man i could really use my combo piece you can find it or you can just play it as a land um so i, I actually really like this card in the stack the fact that this card is an instant is still just like kind of puzzling Weird. to me yeah i uh, you know i don't actually know how good it would be as a sorcery um but i <laughs> I feel like as an instant, it's almost too good. Like, I feel like as an instant, it needs to cost four mana. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I think as a sorcery, it costing three mana is actually appropriate. Um, I think if you... I think it costs one more because it's an instant. Um, just kind of like deliberate and um, preordain... Uh, yeah, preordain? Yeah, preordain is. Um, where it's scribe to draw a card, right? Um, so, uh, and once again, if you haven't seen deliberate... It's a, it's a new standard card. It's literally preordained at instant speed for one more than preordain is. Um, so, like, if you were playing Valak of the Awakening, it was a sorcery. Does it cost two mana, like a red and one? Is that... Yeah, I think so. That seems really good, though. Like, it's, it's, it's not the same, obviously, but it's very similar to the effect you're getting from, like, a Faithless Looting. Obviously, you're not putting cards in your graveyard, so it's not, like, absurd, but... Um, it's a... It's a very low cost to, to essentially fix your hand. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think having to do it at sorcery speed is enough of a cost, but yeah, whatever. Um, so uh, something really cool about this deck. Yeah. If you look at the land base, mm -hmm. it's not playing. Uh, I mean, it's only playing three islands. Sure. Red deck. It's playing 21 lands, mm -hmm. but it's going really hard on the like, Spire Bluff Canal, the River Glide Pathway, Reflecting Pool, Boro, Minima. Mm -hmm. And the whole reason it's playing that is so many people are playing Boil right now, and it's actually playing two copies itself <laughs> on the sideboard. Yeah, I thought the Boil was like, this. is that a Boil? That can't be right. Like, now it, it, I mean, it makes sense. Like, um, you don't really need heavy blue. I mean, obviously, you have two copies of Cryptic Command. Um, but like between the spot, the Cascade Bluff and, you know, all these lands, and they, they really go out of their way to make sure they hit lands that produce blue. Like they're playing Reflecting Pool and Manamo, right? That still aren't islands. Those three islands are the only things there. Um, I think that's, that's a very interesting, like deck building, um, decision. I think it definitely pays off. I think it's, um, being able to bring in Boil, because I don't think people would expect Boil out of the deck that's also casting Cryptic Command. I think that's just one of the things that you might not pick up on. At, th at this point, I think it's actually been somewhat normalized. Okay. Uh, so this is something Aspiring Spike was doing for a while, and his stream is big enough that I think enough people know about it. Um, so I think this sounds really elitist, but like <laughs> players in the know, I guess, would kind of see it coming. Mm -hmm. uh, but players who just kind of like, were like, oh, I want to play a control deck and just kind of randomly found something off of Goldfish might not see it coming yeah i can see that too yeah i mean like and that's the thing too i guess this what twitch has done to increase awareness because once again like aspiring like whatever they whatever you do in any kind of 
um, especially well, Jeff Kai at this point, um, any kind of control deck you, you're going to see from him. Um, I think people like um, Kroki, and obviously this is more for historic than it is for um, modern or legacy, because obviously Kroki really only plays Arena. Um, you know, anything that happens in historic, you see it on Kroki's stream within days and suddenly within hours, um, you know, his deck lists are all over uh, Arena, which I think is really interesting. Just the the reach some of these players have is, is you know, really crazy. Um, so, but I think this is an interesting deck. At least it it's, um, I mean, obviously top-rated here, so, I mean, like, it's not a, not a terrible list. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine casting Kiki-Jiki in, in 2020. It just, <laughs> it's not something I, I could imagine doing. Why not? It ends the game. I mean, it, it does. That's true. Um, but I also feel like how, like, how often does that survive? Like, like, I just feel like the format in this, the removal in this format is actually, yeah, no, it's actually not true. I was going to say the format, the removal in this format is, is so good, which is true, but I feel like the removal of the format is, is very limited. Like, I feel like people actually aren't playing, um, efficient removal in, um, modern right now. And you can also play with counter magic up or when your opponent's tapped out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're probably right. And they also, they're playing a copy of Flusterstorm, by the way. I didn't realize Flusterstorm was even in Modern. Yep. <laughs> it's, uh, it's such a weird thing. Like, I, I know it's legal in Modern, but it sees play so little, and it's just, every time it comes up, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's legal. It's just weird because it's like, where did it come from? Like, it was never in a standard legal set, and you're like, okay, like, yeah, I definitely don't remember drafting with it after. Um, and the answer is it was the buy a box promo for Modern Masters oh. or not Modern Masters Modern Horizons Modern Horizons jeez okay it's like not even in the set that explains it I was like I could have sworn like I have like, I have copies of Flusterstorm for Legacy anyway so like it's it, it's just cool it's in Modern I just I was like really trying to think I'm like I don't remember I don't remember this art period but I guess it's the is this, does it have this special art too? Like the Biobox promo, or is it different art? Is it like the normal art? I literally have no clue what it looks like. Okay. Yeah, I just like. I think I think the art is. Uh, I think it had the same art as the Moto promo, which is what we're currently looking at. For okay. those who can't see. Man. Okay. Yeah. I just like I saw it. I was like, that can't be right. Like, am I looking at a modern deck? Oh yeah. Okay. But yeah, I guess that's playing. Lusterstorm. That's Okay. Um, all right. Well, you also played in this event, actually, right? I did. Like I said, I've been playing a lot of Magic. <laughs> I, I played the Showcase Challenge on Saturday, which did not go well. And then I played the, the Normal Challenge on Sunday, which thankfully went a bit better. Nice. Um, so you were playing Kiliad Company, which is a deck we, we talk, we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. Um, you were saying it's actually really good. And did you actually go 5-2? Uh, yep. So I went 5-2. Uh coming in exactly 16th place, which, you know, always hope for a bit better than that. But I lost round one, so managing to go 5-1 after that felt pretty good, actually. Nice. I copied, um, this is the list that Pygonti top forward the showcase challenge with the previous day, which Pygonti actually took their list straight from an Ari Lax article. Um, so I just decided to copy it. I had 
already had my own list that I liked. Uh, this list didn't quite line up. Uh, so this list is playing Forgiver Runes, which I had not tried yet. Um, and it's playing to Aldamri's Call, which I am not super high on that card. Um, it's funny because I actually read the article that Ari wrote about this deck, and he also says in the article that he's not a big fan of that card. And I was like, good. I'm I'm glad we agree. Uh, but he's opting to play it. In, in my list, I think I, like, if I was just showing up with my own 75, I probably would have played Skyclave Apparitions in that spot. Yeah. Um, that or put the Oriac Champions in the main deck. I just like having more things that you can hit with your company. Uh, this deck is kind of low on where I would like to be for that. Because uh, you have 28 creatures, but two of them are walking ballistas, so you can't hit them. So you only have 26 creatures, but then the Arbor Elves are not impactful at all. So it's almost like you have 22 creatures, which is not where you want to be. So uh, I kind of like just having having a couple more things you can hit there. But obviously having the boundaries calls uh, help with your consistency. But... Yeah. I mean, I think this is, like, one of those decks, too, like, rather than playing Eldamry's Call, you just play, like, Eldritch Evolution instead. Like, if that's really what you're interested in doing here. Um, um I, that would also work. Eldritch Evolution gives... Oh, well, never mind. Yeah, Eldritch Evolution gives things a plus one, plus one counter, right? No, no, no that's no, Neoform. That's Neoform, yeah. Um, um, so, this is, yeah, I think... I, I actually do like to give a rune. So, I actually, I actually 5 out with the version of this deck uh, last week, and within the last week at least. Um, and the version I was playing wasn't playing Giver of Runes, it was playing the Oriac Champions, uh, which I liked a lot, but I like Giver of Runes. I've played this in um, copy or versions of uh, Devoted Devastation. And just the number of games that you get to play around removal, you know, pretty effectively, um, because you have Giver, right? They either have to use the removal spell on the Giver, or they have to wait until they get a second one to try to play around the Giver. Um, are just really high, right? So, I I do like that. Um, I like that the idea there. But I really the aura champion was so good in the games that I was playing, where it would randomly brick wall creatures and you know de or decks really in game one, um, and it obviously sets up your Heliod walking ballista combo a little more effectively, where you can just um, untap play walking ballista, put another a second counter on it, and then just give it lifelink and uh, start going to town. Yeah, it's it's really impressive how many decks Oriac Champion is just like incidentally good against. Mm -hmm. And even even if it's not like necessarily actively good against the deck, just having it in play at the same time as Heliod is also just very good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you just like you really just take over games like I had I had a game where I got to go um champion on two champion on two, Heliod on three and then I went um, another champion on th uh, on four along with a conclave, and I was like, I'm just winning, right? I'm just like, this is just doing it. I'm just putting counters on my Heliod and just murdering you on turn on turn four. We're doing it. Um, like I think those I think those hands are really nice. Um, and this deck actually just because of the random plus one plus one counter synergies, like you really just like have some games where you just like randomly beat your opponent into to a pulp because they're not actually they're not really blocking and they're not really set up to block a pro red pro black uh five five um so i think that's really cool in this deck too 
Um, did you, so something I was kind of thinking about too, this is playing uh, four copies of Arbor Elf and four copies of Utopia Sprawl. Uh, did you consider playing something like Noble Hierarch on this list? We were talking about playing that, um, obviously, in Legacy, but like, would, would you consider playing or Noble Hierarch in this deck? Uh, no. So, <laughs> the, the reason not to play uh, Noble, or, yeah, the reason not to play Noble Hierarch, which is just, it dies really easily, and generally, um, the dies removal argument is not very good, especially when you're talking about something that's so cheap because I mean if your one drop dies it's not really that big of a deal mm -hmm. but you are really interested in ramping because um, getting I mean everyone knows getting to like cheat on mana is very good mm -hmm. and that's you know what your mana elves are allowing you to do um, but the upside to Utopia Scrawl in, in addition to how good it works with Harbor Elf is just Renin 6 is super popular right now because of the Uro decks um, so having, um, having Utopia Sprawl as kind of a mana dork that doesn't die to your opponent's friend's sake, it doesn't die to all the lava darts running around. Uh, I run into a couple gut shots out of like, is it blitz? So just having a way to advance your mana on turn one, that's not going to die to your opponent's two drop play is very good. Um, and so Noble Hierarch is just too fragile. Uh, Noble Hierarch is, in general, better than Arbor Elf, but since you're already interested in playing Utopia Sprawl, the interaction between Arbor Elf and Utopia Sprawl is so powerful that it gets the nod. Like, getting to play a Collector Company on turn two because you want turn one Arbor Elf, turn two Utopia Sprawl is, like, insane. Like, sometimes you can just, like, make infinite life on turn two because you played those cards. Yeah, I got a, at a turn, I got to do that once, I believe. Uh, I... I, <laughs> I only hit um, a Heliod and a uh, Ranger Captain of Eos, and I was like, this is still good. Like, I, I'm still really happy on that for turn two. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah. Like, I got six mana for uh, off of uh, one land on turn. Like, it's, it's just gross. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's really, really cool. Yeah, some of these, um, as far as the land's concerned, too, and I, I am... I'll say it this politely, I guess. I'm a big not Horizon Canopy fan. I don't like Horizon Canopy in the, in the green-white decks that much. Um, and I guess it, it's format-dependent, right? But I just feel there's a lot of situations where people go crazy in Horizon Canopy. So, like, I want four Horizon Canopies, and then, like, they died to their mana base. Um, your deck's playing three, which is which I think is fine. I think three is fine. I, don't, I just don't, I don't think it's ever a four of. Um... You're also playing a copy of Pendlehaven. You're playing two copies of uh, Prismatic Vista. Uh, how are those three lands for you th throughout the day? Okay. Uh, so I really like the Horizon Canopies. Um, I don't think the issue of like, dying near mana base is that big of a deal here because mm -hmm. you're pretty good against the aggro decks. Like, you have so much life. Um, I think the, the bigger issue, rather than being worried about the damage output from your opponents, is... The games where they manage to grind out um for the games where you just can't find stuff so having just another way to dig through your deck a little bit was pretty good for me especially since you're already generating extra mana so your lands aren't as important in the mid to late game um so i thought having the horizon canopies was pretty good uh pendlehaven was you know it's funny pendlehaven i don't think did 
anything for me during the challenge, but in games where I was just testing the deck throughout the past two weeks, it's uh, actually come up for me a handful of times. It's let me combo with a walking blitz so that I only have to encounter on it, which was like pretty good. It's let me get an additional damage with Arbor Elf, which has like actually been relevant to closing out games. Um, so the Pendle Haven has been great. Probably would not play any additional copies though. Okay. Prismatic Vistas, whatever. Like it could be any fetch land really. I actually getting white has been relevant a handful of times. Um, so I guess Prismatic Vistas fine it doesn't stand out or anything um and then the, the notable exclusion by the way is uh Gavany township was missing from this list yeah my version which my version was playing in i i actually ha- enjoyed it the games i i had it it's funny because it largely didn't come up for me when i did have it but then not having it in my deck i was like man i really wish i could draw a Gavany township here yeah. just like when yeah, the the games I I had it, it was like these kind of weird board stalls where I'm sitting there with like a, a walking ballista, two conclave mentors, and a um, you know spike feeder. I'm just like, well, how do I win this game? And I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna activate township. I'm gonna put three counters on all my creatures. I'm gonna murder my opponent in two turns. Got it. Um, I just think that the random synergy you get with the conclave mentor just makes it kind of like super powered. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. And I think it was my round two of this. Uh, challenge I played against um, the black white deck, mm. like the black white stone blade ish deck. Um, and I cast company on there and stuff one turn, and I just hit double conclave mentor. And that was like, God. in particular, I was like, man, if I can just like untap and draw Gavity Township, like this game's done. And I was mm. like, oh, yeah, I don't have Gavity Township. Yeah. Uh, what I did find was Spike Feeder, though. And so I just got to move counters around and like add counters to things, which was like kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know, I, I did not realize this. <laughs> um, I didn't realize, like, obviously you gain infinite life with um, Spike Feeder and Heliod. Look, that's just a, that's just a, a green white company, like, devoted druid thing at this point, right? They play that. Um, I didn't realize with the Conclave Mentor that you just, like, make all your creatures infinitely large. Like, that didn't click. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is very good, because some decks don't concede to infinite life. Mm-hmm. Also, some people online, like, you, you run into matchups where, like, in paper they have zero outs and infinite life, but online they're just like, meh, whatever, like, I don't care, kill me. Yeah. So, it's nice uh, actually being aware of things like that so you can actually just end the game. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I posted this on Twitter, too. Um, shout out to Intrepid Zero. Uh, so, when I was playing for the 5 like I was playing in the Mirror, and they were playing a version of this deck that was playing red for Bankers of the Moon, which is actually pretty sweet. Um, they... they <laughs> uh, essentially blood moon me out of game one um, game two I ended up um, comboing pretty quickly uh, game three we both had the ability to gain infinite life and we they just messaged me and were like okay we both have infinite life we're just not going to attack first one to draw ballista wins and I was like yeah sure yeah that's fine <laughs> so we just we just played until I, I, I cast a ballista for um, you know for x equals one and they're like good games and I was like this is awesome. But like, it was just nice that we didn't have to play the posturing game of, well, I can get in front of life, and then you have to kill. Nah, he's just like, Wait, you got it, champ. Yeah, I I love when opponents just kind of go along with it. Yeah. I was, and, okay, so I know that nobody is entitled to anything. I know my opponents don't have to concede to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I played a game, and I was against um, 
I want to say it was against Mono Red, or maybe it was my game against Stretch. I think it was my game against Prowess, though. Hmm. Um, and turn two, I make Infinite Life. My opponent's like, really making me go through it. And they typed in chat, like, ah, oh, like, you just had it all. And I was like, yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> or it was turn three, rather. So I'm like, doing my thing. I'm like, making a bunch of life. And they type in chat, do you have Ballista? And I was like, well, I have the Ranger Captain, so I essentially have Ballista. Hmm. And, you know, most people, when they say, hey, do you have this thing? If you say yes, then they concede. Like, that's just the etiquette. Yeah. And they're like, okay, cool. And they just kept playing. And I was like, what What are we doing here? Like, yeah. why, why are you just asking cards? Like, if I have cards <laughs> in my hand, if you're, like, not going to do the same thing that, like, literally every other person does. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, that's weird, right? Yeah, I'm, next time I play Legacy, I'm like, do you have the Fourth of Will? I'm like, yeah, I have the Fourth of Will. I'm like, okay, well, you show it to me then. Like, they show it to me. I'm like, okay, <laughs> now I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. That's my, next, that's my next play, my next live event. Just watch out. I'm going to ask you for random cards. I don't know. It just felt like a little scummy to me. I was like, I'm very glad that I'm going to win this. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I'm like, it was in a prelim, so I'm like, did they just want to like squeak every ounce of value out of it like i get it because like sure but like i don't know it just it felt really scummy yeah it, it kind of feels scummy but i mean like one thing people like this one of those things maybe they want to just like let you combo like they're just gonna have six and just kind of wait there but like did, did they concede once you cast a ballista or once you cast uh, the not captain? immediately oh. after i removed like a couple of counters they did but it was like Game three, I still had like eight minutes on my clock. It's like, I'm not running out of time here. So mm-hmm. I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but it was like game one and I think they got me game two. Yeah. But like game one and three, I like when I, when I got Infinite Life, like I like took the time to make myself at like over 250 life six <laughs> times. Just like, I'm not going to run out of time. Like, no. Game one ended and there's still like 18 minutes on my clock. I'm like, I'm not timing out. Like, this isn't. <laughs> Hmm. We just move on. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Talking about moving on, we should probably get out of here. We're we're running a little long on time here. Um, is there anything else that you you want to talk about just from the from this modern challenge in particular? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, do you have another story this week? Well, I, I can provide a story. Okay. Um. Okay, so we're gonna go with a non-magic story. Sure, love it. Okay, so. Uh, for those who don't know, I uh, work in customer service. I'm a manager. Um, and as anybody who has worked in customer service knows, you get a lot of customers who feel very entitled to different things. You know, sometimes they're reasonable. Uh, more often than not, they're very unreasonable. <laughs> so a couple, uh, couple weeks ago, I'm like doing my thing. Uh, one of my associates calls me up front and is like, Hey, maps and like we like this lady wants help i'm like okay so i come up i'm like uh like what's going on what's and so she's upset that the bathrooms were dirty very reasonable yeah uh, so i'm like oh, i'm sorry like i'll get somebody in there she's like well it should have been clean and i was like yeah well it was cleaned an hour ago um our, side note our bathrooms get destroyed very fast for some reason people are gross mm. um i'm like it was seemed an hour ago uh but i'll get somebody in there again and she was like there's no way it was clean i'm like okay well like uh you know i'll, I'll get somebody in there she's like well i took the time to clean it and i was like okay like 
weird. Uh, I didn't say <laughs> yeah. that to her, but I was like, that's weird though. Like, so, so, so I like thank her and I'm like, okay, next time though, please just grab an associate. Like we don't want, uh, like any, like in case you get sick or whatever from it. Um, and she's like, well, give me free cigarettes. And I'm like, what? No. <laughs> so she's like, like I cleaned your bathroom. Like, give me cigarettes. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> she's like, what? <laughs> uh, so then, then she ups the ante. She's like, well, like I walked in your closet and like grabbed your cleaning supplies and cleaned what? your bathroom. So like I could have died on your cleaning supplies. Like I could have drank it and poisoned myself. Like that door should have been locked. Like this is on you. Like, what? like <laughs> give me like, and she's like, and you know, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I just want you to give me some free cigarettes. I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this. Um, I was like, you know, if customers are unhappy, we uh, like, I'm willing to give you a gift card for like a couple bucks. That's what we do is we have like these gift cards. If people complain about almost anything within reason, we'll sure. like uh, give them a little bit of money. So I was like, so I can apply that towards your cigarettes if you want. But, um, at this point, she's asking for like two packs of cigarettes. What? She's like kind of yelling. <laughs> um, I was like, but I'm not just giving you like $20 of tobacco for free. No. Um, and she's like going on about like your door should have been locked. I was like, our lock is actually broken. We have a locksmith coming out tomorrow to fix it. She's like, like I could have died. I was like, like, why did you go into our closet? Like, who just goes, there's a closed door over there that says employees only. I'm going to open it. <laughs> and then yell at the manager because I could have gotten hurt in this room that I did not belong in, that I chose to walk into on my own. Um, oh my so she's going off and she's like, well, who's in charge here? I was like, well, I'm in charge here. I'm the manager. And she's like, well, who's your boss? And I'm like, gosh, like, so I was like, yes, there's somebody above me. She's like, call them. Uh, I also work overnight. So it's like three in the morning. I'm like, what? I'm not calling my boss at three in the morning. She's like, call them. I'm like, even if I did call them, they would not pick up because she's asleep. At three in the morning, <laughs> This lady's yeah. like, I could have died. You call them. I was like, you can you can leave. Like, I can call the cops. I'll call them. <laughs> uh, but eventually her, like, I, I'm assuming this was her boyfriend, comes in okay. and is watching what's happening for like a minute or two and is like, Where? he's like, I'm, I'm very sorry about this. And turns her and was like, honey, we're leaving. And she's like, I'm not done yelling at him. He's like, he's literally trying to give you money and you are turning it down. To yell at him for something that is not his fault. We're, we're going to go. I'm, yeah. I'm very sorry about this, sir. Like, <laughs> and then he just kind of like dragged her out of the store and they, they, they drove off together and she seemed calm. Like, oh but I just thought I'd share that story of a very entitled customer. Yeah, that dude is a real MVP. That's... <laughs> Oh he was like gosh. very considerate about it. He was just like, "I'm sorry, sir. Like, she not be yelling at you for this. Like, I'm gonna take her home. She's very drunk." It's like, okay, cool. Like, whatever. Man, Ugh. that's such a crazy story. <laughs> oh my gosh, I. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's why. One thing I I we're actually we're, I have a group chat with um like some just like former. Um, like Carabas employees, I used to work at Carabas when I was in college, and a little bit after, and like we we got on this like long tangent about just like how much we do not miss the service industry, because um, I 
you never well you were i know you worked in, in a restaurant before um like i have the nightmare probably like once every like three months four months where like i've got like triple fat and like i greet somebody and then like they're like holding my attention where like i see another table get fat and then i'm like i gotta i gotta go greet them and they're like no no one, one more thing real qu- one more question and i'm like okay and then like i see like the the uh wait staff is like oh, you got fat here also and i'm like freaking out slowly but like at this point the only the only quote-unquote customers that i i serve now is our students and parents which is also in itself a nightmare um but very rarely do people actually yell at me so i just ugh. i get i get yelled at um so i just transferred to my new store not too long ago mm. uh, and i get yelled at way more at the store i don't know what it is uh it's just like people with attitudes and it's funny because uh, some of the other like people I work with have told me I just need to be like ruder, like I like I need to be meaner back to them. And I'm like, like that's not how I was trained, right? Yeah. Like because customer service. And at my old store and the store before that, it was usually very easy to just be like, hey, like I'm sorry, uh, this is what we're gonna do. And people would be like, yeah, like I appreciate that. And here it's like, okay, I'm sorry, like this is what we're gonna do. And they're like, hey, like no. That's good enough. Give me exactly what, it, like, I literally got yelled at, uh, like, two weeks ago. Somebody um, wasn't happy with something, and I was like, okay, what can we do to make this up to you? He told me. I was like, yeah, that's totally reasonable. We're going to do exactly that. And then he, like, yelled at me for giving in to what he wanted. And I was just like, I, I don't I don't know what we're doing here. Like, <laughs> like you, you really want me just to fight you? That's what, that's what we're doing? Like, you just want the argument? Okay, well, this argue and then you'll leave quietly is that what's going to happen like what's the best case scenario there like besides getting exactly what you want like so weird (laughs) gosh all right uh let's get out of here where where can people find you uh so you can find me at expedition map on twitter and at expedition map on twitch where can people find you uh they can find me at bad luck bandit on twitter uh you can also find the podcast at depth underscore podcast um and also i i I know, I know I like to mention this from time to time, but just thank you guys for just tuning in, seeing these episodes too, because we, we've just had, honestly, just a lot, the past month um, has just really been fantastic. We've got a lot, a lot of new uh, listeners, we've got a lot of good follows, and once again, I keep seeing, it cracks me up, because a lot of these older episodes, like obviously your first couple episodes end up being uh, pretty low. I think we had like 10 people listen to our first episode, and now somehow 34 people left to listen to our first episode. Like People went back to listen to our first episode, which I think is really cool. Um, so just thank you guys for just tuning in and um, I guess spreading the word too about you know what we're doing here. Uh, it definitely makes it a little bit more enjoyable knowing that people are listening to us. Um, definitely f- uh, feel free to write into the show too if you haven't already. Um, it is uh, darkdepthpod at gmail.com. So if you have a awesome um, letter, if you want to say something nice or if you want to say something mean, if you want to yell at us for not giving you exactly what you want, uh, feel free to write into the show, and <laughs> we will uh, listen, try to respond to your, you as best as we can. Um, all right, let's get out of here. I'll see you next week. See you next week. All right, bye. Bye.